How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is Frank Madden. And today's episode of Locked on Bucks is brought to you by SeatGeek. Our good friends at SeatGeek have a promo code for you, for us, and that is L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's L-O for Locked on, B-U-C-K-S for Bucks. So L-O-B-U-C-K-S is their promo code. $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase at SeatGeek. And all you have to do is use our promo code L O B U C K S. Uh, Frank, how are you doing today? I've been enjoying listening to uh, all the Boogie Cousins trade breakdowns. From... Frank, I I couldn't stop today. It I was w- interesting, right? I was totally just consumed. My, my life was consumed by it. I was on Twitter the whole day, seeing all of the things, anyone talking about it. I was listening to it. Listening to Zach Lowe just go off with Brian Windhorst was fantastic because Zach is always so guarded about his um, opinions, emotions, etc. And just losing, just totally losing his mind. Uh, Tom Ziller, also great. Um, man, there was so much interesting stuff to read, so many interesting things to listen to. I was just, I just dove into that pool and did not leave it for the entire day. Yeah, I listened to the Simmons-Chris Vernon uh, Ringer NBA show and the Zach Lowe-Windhorst pod, um, which are both interesting. You know, it's it's such a... We, we talked for a fair bit yesterday about it, um, and I don't know. We don't have to go into any detail again today because this is locked on Bucks, not locked on King Sadness. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it is fa- it is so interesting, right? Because I mean, it's it's sort of a, a an, an interesting situation, you know, where you're a prisoner of of having a great player on some level, and yeah. there's so much dysfunction around him. How do you tease apart how much of that comes from him and his reflection of him versus how much is the organization? And you know, can the organization itself even be considered anything close to an objective viewer of that? Right? I mean, you're asking Vivek. And Vlade to say, is it you or is it or is it Marcus Cousins? And well, I mean, you can't you can't trade yourself if you're the owner. <laughs> um, you know, you can't you can't fire yourself if you're Vlade. So uh, so it is it is a new situation. It, it seems like I think that the the summation of it, without getting into a lot of detail, is I think this was a bad deal for the Kings, but it might have been the best deal available at this time. In which case, I would have said just don't do a deal right now and whether it's waiting four days until thursday to sort of see if anything gets better in terms of deals or you wait until the draft when teams are maybe a bit more oriented around uh actually kind of shuffling their rosters over a bit more seriously slash you know where picks are going to be and you're not mm-hmm. kind of you know in this murky area of well we don't know if if a pick is going to be a 15th pick or an eighth pick or you know all this stuff is in the air especially given that they wanted uh, a pick in this upcoming draft um it's it's just a hard time to make a deal and they they made it and <laughs> now we're going to see what happens i think the the funniest line throughout the day was always no matter what show podcast writing Whatever, whatever you were reading, listening to, discussing it, there was always the people on the side of this was good for the Kings or this was a move they had to make. They were back into a corner. Well, I was like, well, show me a better deal out there. The the deals weren't getting any better. And everyone was just like, I can't, but don't you think one would have showed up by Thursday? Like, isn't this how negotiating works? Like, you don't just hear someone say, this is as good as we can do. And with three or four days left in the trade deadline be like well they say it's as good as they can do gotta take them at their word all right here you go like it it was just funny to to hear uh just people trying to 
grasp why you would make this deal at this time and there would just no logic involved for why it would happen so yeah it it was fascinating a fascinating day in the nba a fascinating day on nba twitter um a fascinating fascinating day in nba content um so hopefully yeah i'll 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 say this eric i i would not trust body divots to win a staring contest let me say that um you know they they may have canvassed you know all the potential suitors you know there was of course uh a few reports today about teams saying that oh they didn't come back to us or then you know whatever and whatever i'm always, I always struggle with that a little bit you know because there's always going to be teams out there who you know will enjoy kind of piling on and leaking out stories about try to make another team look bad especially the kings who are kind of the whipping boys of nba front offices but um yeah it, it's uh it's a huge trade um i i I'm, now i'm spoiled because i i was sitting here after work looking at Twitter and just saying, okay, well, when's the next trade? When's Jimmy <laughs> Butler getting traded? What, what's going to happen next? But um, so far, all quiet for at least one. Did time. you see Isaiah Thomas put out the eyes emoji tweet? Yeah. That was fantastic. And if you're an NBA player, why wouldn't you do that all the time? Like, just to mess with people. That, oh, I was dying when I saw it. That was too funny. Um, but let's move on to the Bucks. This is, as you said, this is locked on Bucks, and the Bucks will be back in town on Friday, back in action on Friday, and the best place, the best place to find tickets is SeatGeek, and you can do that very easily because SeatGeek makes it easy for you. They go to all the other websites, they compare, they find the best prices, and then they lay it out on on a simple map for you. You can you can just see where the deals are. You can see if there's green dots. You can see how big the green dots are. Um, and you can do that this Friday against the Jazz and kind of try to find the best deals, and they'll let you know if you're getting a good one. And, I mean, that's kind of what makes Seek, SeatGeek so great is it's so simple, so easy, and uh, you can check that out for any Bucks game. And there's going to be a bunch of home games coming up here. We've obviously talked about how it's home heavy here for a little while before uh, ending the season, very road heavy. So if you want to see the Bucks, the next couple weeks is kind of the time that you have to do it. And if you want to see them, go to SeatGeek. And at SeatGeek, obviously, you can use our promo code. It's very easy. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and then go to enter promo code. Enter the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S and you can get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. So go ahead and do that today. Now, for the bucks. I think they're in a very interesting position um, as far as the trade deadline goes, uh, just a couple days away. And I think it's interesting. I think it was interesting before the Jabari Parker intro, before the Jabari Parker injury, and now it's even more interesting after the Jabari Parker injury because they're just kind of in a weird space. So Zach Lowe wrote some stuff today. We'll get to that in a second. But before we do any of that, I guess Frank. As as a fan, as uh, as a pseudo analyst like we are, um, what what do you want the Bucks to get out of this? What what it? What's your ideal situation for this trade deadline? What do you think they should be targeting? Like, I, I think that's kind of an interesting spot to go because there's, I think among Bucks fans, there's a number of different directions that people want the team to go at this trade deadline and I'm, I'm just curious where you think they should go well first off i don't know what what pseudo analyst means eric i mean i think we're both pretty damn bona fide but uh <laughs> you know I agree. Uh, uh well it is interesting right especially you know with how much they've struggled in the grand scheme of things over the last uh month or so uh and then to win three games in a row going into the all-star break you know, it, it does kind of again put you in that weird spot where you're you're torn between you know again after the wins you look at the playoff standings after the losses you look at the lottery standings <laughs> and um, they're they're caught in this difficult space and I think the overriding thing that changed when Jabari Parker got hurt and because I, I think the the similar story could be said for the standings you know the, the whether you're looking at lottery versus playoff standings I mean that that was that was an issue before Jabari got hurt as well. Uh, But I think the overriding thing that changed is that, you know, we don't know exactly how Jabari is going to fit into this long-term future. And it's not to say that they're, you know, not going to try to re-sign him. Who knows? They may even talk to him, you know, him and his agent about even trying to do maybe a a little bit of a discounted extension. 
this summer even. I mean, who knows, right? We, we don't know for sure. Um, there, there's probably a number that might make sense, but in the grand scheme of things, we there's far less certainty about how Jabari fits into things. And, you know, I'd argue you go into this draft not banking on Jabari Parker being, you know, a guy who's going to play 35 minutes for you every night for the next 10 years. I don't, I don't know how you can yeah. kind of be that confident anymore. So I think on the one hand, you look at the roster and you say, well, you know, your, your pillars of, of the future are Giannis, of course. And after that, Chris Middleton is reminding us why he's been in that conversation over the last year plus, two years, uh, with his play since coming back from injury. I think Thon Maker's given us good reason to think that maybe he could be one of those guys as well. Even if he's not a, a you know a star type player, he could be a really valuable starter slash unique skill set guy um, at the big positions. But beyond that, um, you know, there's the, I don't want to say the cupboard is is bare, but um, the cupboard is is a bit muddled and and messy, and you're not really sure what you have. So uh, I think when you look at this team, you know, again, I think for Giannis's sake, I think. I can't help but feel like it would be a positive thing to go to the playoffs. And, you know, if Giannis can carry this team there in spite of, you know, defensive schemes and defensive indifference and, <laughs> you know, other issues the Bucks have, uh, I think that would be an exciting thing as a fan to watch. Um, but I also kind of feel like, well, you know what? Like, you're not gunning for a home, you know, a home court first round series at this point, right? Maybe a month and a half, two months ago, maybe that was sort of something you were gunning for and you wouldn't have even thought about selling at the deadline. I think that's sort of changed a bit. And I think you have to be thinking big picture of, okay, if Jabari's a question mark now, more than ever, you need to really figure out how do you optimize the roster long-term in terms of its assets. And so we've talked a fair bit about, well, what what could you do, right? And I think, you know, you're alluding to the Zach Lowe piece and Zach and his piece kind of, uh, I think I think the way he described it was that the Bucks were sort of considering sliding into the sort of the seller's void that's been created, um, and the only problem being that the Bucks don't want to sell anything that's really a value, which <laughs> which would be you know Giannis obviously, Thon Jabari, uh, Chris Middleton, and I'm not sure if they had anybody else in there, but it was just those uh, four. Yeah, but then it obviously leaves you in a position where then you kind of wonder, well. Is there anybody else that you could even use to get long-term assets? And this is something we've debated in the past. And I don't know, Eric. I mean, I would love to say, hey, sell off your non-core assets for, you know, first-round picks and mm-hmm. guys who are going to help you three years from now and all that stuff. But realistically, I don't know. I think the best you can maybe do is, you know, maybe there's a team out there that might give you something for Greg Monroe. But other than that, I don't know. Maybe just cap relief is the best thing you can get, you know, if, in terms of if you're trying to get more flexibility for the long term. Because I don't see teams giving up a lot of assets for, you know, the Delavidovas and Teletoviches and guys like that. Well, I, I think this is kind of the the tough part. Is I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago, but uh, it was dur- it was during that uh, during the Nurkic trade um, with Portland. All of a sudden, there was a, the Nurkic Pomley trade. All of a sudden, there's a first rounder in there, and everyone's like, "Oh, I can't believe they included a first rounder." And in my head, I I was just like, "Well, which team included a first rounder, and why did they include?" It? And like I was in my head trying to figure out which team would have been the one that would have needed to have the first rounder. And then I started yeah. to think about it, yeah. and I was like, "I don't have any idea what a first rounder is worth." And, and that's one idea if you've been listening to us for a while now, um, if you were listening to us back when we were the Brew podcast, I've been asking that question for a while, is how is it possible that there's not a consensus league-wide for what a first-round pick is worth? And again, you could say, well, maybe it's a, a top 10 pick, a 10 to 20 pick, a 20 to 30 pick. Even in those areas, I don't think there's any consensus. And, and I think it kind of speaks to where different teams are at and what they think the those picks may become at some point and with the bucks obviously with jabari going out now you kind of have a talent gap that you need to find a way to get another high level basketball player you need to find a way to get another star another uh, high level starter or borderline star or maybe even a star slash superstar you need to find high level talent right now because right now you have a superstar in Giannis, 
you have a high-level starter slash borderline star in Middleton. You have, I don't know what, in Thon. Um, so, something that very well, maybe it is, maybe he is the that borderline star that can help fill that ta- that high-level talent gap. I don't know if he is, but maybe he is. And then you have, what, uh, a high-level bench player, borderline starter in Mirza. Uh, a solid bench player in Delhi, and then a high-level bench slash borderline starter in Brogdon. And as far as the rest of the roster goes, as far as going forward, what those things could be, obviously you you have some other guys, like you have a John Henson on the roster, but I, I think it would be crazy to to say you have any faith in what he is going forward i certainly i I don't have any confidence in that i don't know what he is um you you have a guy like rashad vaughn who we still don't really know what he is or if he is a part of the long-term uh kind of process here so there there's parts to sell off but then at the same time if you're the milwaukee bucks you have to figure out well okay so say we can sell these off and we can get maybe a late first rounder and maybe some more second rounders do they even want those type of guys on the roster cuz the the top of their roster is a 20 a 22 year old who just started his first all-star game who loves to win and is psychotic about losing he hates it absolutely hates it like it, you can just tell it in his body language he, he does not like it can you fill out let's say 7 through 10 on the roster with guys that are between 19 and 23 years old and feel good about going into next season? Is that something that you're comfortable with? Because if it is, then maybe you can sell. But I don't necessarily know that that's a direction this organization wants to go into, and I don't know if that's a direction I necessarily think is good to go to because I don't know if I want to put Giannis with a bunch of projects on the bench because those projects can can be a way for you to get that that next high level talent but it can also be a way to kind of mire your supporting players in mediocrity um i don't know it, it it like i said i think it's just a fascinating position because you you have to find a way to get that next high level talent but the ways to get that are either you're going to draft one and with the Bucks, you're probably not going to draft high enough to have a top three pick that you're going to get a guy that you'd feel a lot of confidence in that. So you're probably hoping on a project, and the Bucks have been good at that, but you can't count on that. So you, maybe you're drafting another one of those guys, or, like you said, you're clearing cap space, and you're trying to trying to hit on a high-level talent this next year. And I, we, we've talked about the different cap machinations and and I guess the one the one way to do that would be Greg Monroe opts out and then you move one of Henson well you could just move Henson and then you have what did we just I think we were talking about a little bit before was that like 2022 um going into the summer or maybe you can move Mirza and that will get you close to the same spot or move Mirza and I don't don't know it's either you have to try to get yourself more lottery tickets or you have to clear some space and try to do it in free agency Um, I don't know it's a tough spot yeah and to give people some sense of kind of like how the cap numbers might work um, you know Greg Monroe is just short of 18 million next year and it seems like I haven't heard anybody imply that I haven't really heard anybody imply that like Greg Monroe is opting out and is going to, you know, be thrilled to be out of Milwaukee and he can't wait to go someplace else. But I also haven't heard anybody say that he's likely to, to opt in and, and stay with the bucks next year Mm -hmm. on his, on the last year of his deal. It seems like the, the refrain we keep hearing is that he probably opts out and then question mark. Um, and so, I mean, to give people a sense of that, you know, if 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 he opts out next year uh, of that $18 million deal, if you Spencer Hawes has a $6 million player option, let's say he opts into that and then the Bucks stretch him so it would be over three years, you'd basically only have a $2 million uh, basically cap hit for the next three years rather than $6 million. So you open about $4 million in space. Um, if you do both of those things, um, 
you know, the Bucks only have, I mean, I think it's like maybe like 11 million in space or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like you free up just massive amounts of cap space to work with in that in that scenario. And I'm also assuming that Tony Snell is kept on his qualifying offer and is with his cap hold of seven million at that point. Um, and obviously, you know, you could you could renounce Tony Snell's rights and and open up that additional cap space to get a little closer to twenty million in room. Um, but I think the big swing is, you know, could you find somebody to take John Henson's deal off your hands for free? Um, at the at the deadline, right? Because if that happens, then you're talking about having 20 plus million in cap space. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not including uh, a, a cap roll for the first round pick, uh, which we don't know where it's going to be, but that will take a bite out of that. So, you know, again, maybe it gets you closer to, you know, around 20 million after you factor that. And if you do get rid of Henson and, and Monroe opts out and, you know, you, you stretch Hawes. Um, so I think at that point, you know, you become sort of an interesting player where you could actually make a run at a bigger name type guy. Again, do the Bucks have the ammo, you know, sort of organizationally to actually pull all that off? I don't know. Maybe, you know. Playing with Giannis would be pretty cool. Yeah, it should be. Um, now, I mean, a Drew Holiday type guy seems like he'll be in very high demand. Probably is a guy that a team like the Pelicans probably feel like they have to resign after they yeah. go out and get the Marcus Cousins. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I do not advocate for the Bucks to go out and spend, you know. 22 million dollars a year on jeff teague or something like that i I just don't think it makes sense to pay that kind of money to a traditional sort of point guard type player because of you know chris and and Giannis both being guys who can initiate and who are going to take the ball away from a traditional point guard so it's an interesting situation but so i i guess at a high level i would go into the trade deadline with kind of the attitude that it seems like we're you know hearing zach Lowe and others allude to which is you know the Bucks would consider being a seller, but they're really selling things that you know nobody necessarily is going to pay much for. So effectively, they become probably a stand pat type team. And obviously, you know who knows, right? Um, but what, how about we go through an exercise, Eric? How about we go through a buy hold sell exercise? And I, I guess this is a little bit of a misnomer because. Uh, let, let's let's define it this way. Buy means you you don't want to you don't want to trade that player, right? You're keeping him, you're buying him. Cup. You know you'd extend him if you could if he's if he's going to be uh you know like Tony Snell if he's going to be up for a new contract you'd want to sign him to a market deal. Let's say a hold is you'd consider moving him, but you're not trying to salary dump him. You Cup. know basically if it was if you got well, let's say quote unquote equal value. Um, you'd consider making a move or you got a draft pick, you'd consider making a move, um, but you're not looking to just give them away. And then sell, let's just say sell is somebody shows up willing to uh, willing to take that guy's salary off your hands for an expiring contract. You know, do you, do you jump at it or do you say, no, nah, I'll keep them, okay? Got it. So let's go through, let's go through the roster. We'll, we'll go from, from most expensive to least expensive. And let's start with Greg Monroe. Where are you on Greg Monroe? Are you hanging on to Greg Monroe and wanting to resign him next summer? Are you only selling him if you get a good, you know, what you would define as good value? Or are you cool just basically dumping Greg Monroe in order to uh, help optimize your 2017 lottery pick? Um, That's probably a hold. Just because, again, I've talked about kind of the message you would be sending to Giannis by doing that. Um, and also, my major concern with dealing Monroe is what is the team going to give you for Greg Monroe? Because finding $17 million in expiring contracts is not the easiest thing to do. Um, and so if I'm trading Greg Monroe, I'm, I'm probably going to have to take something back for more than just the this just expiring fodder kind of um so i guess that's my major concern there is i I don't necessarily think that there's a deal that could be done where i'm still out of greg monroe's greg monroe's money and i'm given a pick or something of that nature um so it's a hold i I don't necessarily want the bucks to re-sign greg monroe for big money uh this offseason and again obviously i wouldn't want him to opt in either um but it's just tough to 
I get the gain of taking seventeen million, almost eighteen million off of your cap for next year is I think is significant for this Bucks team. So I'd be totally fine with just holding there. What about you? Uh I would say the same. I mean the problem, I mean, the, the big issue with trying to find a Monroe suitor is that all of Monroe's apparent suitors are making deals already for other centers. Portland, Charlotte, New Orleans all already made it, a move. Exactly. I mean, New Orleans was long considered the, the probably the most obvious destination given Greg's background there and their apparent interest uh, going back to last year's trade deadline. And now they have Boogie Cousins. So I think they're good. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's like... Could the Celtics like say, "Hey, we want like more of a bona fide score," and you know, you could do Amir Johnson. I think I think it would work given the 150 percent um, matching rule. I mean, you could do Amir Johnson, who's owed 12 million, as an expiring, um, and then plus like I don't know, I don't know what the sweetener would be. Right? Would it be, <laughs> um, you know, the Gershon Yabutzele, right? Ante Zizic, you know, one of these like <laughs> random. Yeah stash guys uh we know it's not going to be a you know a nets pick or what? something like that come on yeah i know i know um but you know they do have other other picks that that are floating that are floating around out there um so it, but they're not going to be wasteful with those assets frank they're really right. they're really holding on to them and they're just waiting for that perfect deal because you know right that's, well, that's, that's what really makes me good. that's that's what makes me kind of nervous because it's like, oh man, what you know, what would it actually take to get them to make a move? Um, but uh, but yeah, so that that's that's kind of kind of hard to, to to sort through. So so I don't know. I I, I just think it's probably unlike a deal is probably unlikely to happen with Greg. And uh, here's a question as well: um, with Jabari Parker's sort of future in doubt, you know, I think part of the thesis why Greg Monroe like didn't fit in Milwaukee was because well, he's not a good defender, and we should note he's been a much better defender this year. Oh, um, I like where this is going. Continue. Yeah. Well, so if Jabari is sort of this big question mark, um, and and you obviously lost some offensive firepower with Jabari getting hurt, all of a sudden, doesn't the idea of keeping Greg Monroe become more palatable? It does. Um, I still don't think I'm a big fan of it just because I don't think you want to plug – you don't want to plug your money into a center of that of that ilk, um, just because big, more plotting centers. And yes, Greg has been better this year defensively, but he's still not a great defensive player. I, I don't think you want to plug your money at the center position into a guy like that. Even though, again, it's not it wouldn't be quite as bad if he's not Jabari Parker's partner in the starting lineup, um, but. I'm. It's more palatable, but still not palatable enough for me to actually take a bite. If if you were offered, if if Greg Monroe, David Falk's agent, David Falk's agent said, you know what, Eric, name you as the new GM of the Bucks. If if we uh, we opted out, but you know what, we we looked at the market and we said, oh, man, we just love Milwaukee. We love the direction we're going. Um, we'll keep coming off the bench. You guys can start fun. Maybe you cut down on Greg's minutes a little bit, but we'll come back for three years, $42 million. Does Eric name bite on that? Oh, Frank, that is such a good hypothetical. Um, wow, that's really tough. Um, man, I'm really close to saying yes. I'm really close to saying yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm at this point, I would probably would say yes. Uh, uh, ugh. Yeah, good for Greg. Good for Greg that he's played this well. That we're both in that spot. Um, I mean, because because it's the thing. I mean, I I, I just I, I don't know. I mean, if you're a you're looking at this Bucks roster, I mean, you need talent. And yes, and I know Greg's not maybe not a perfect fit, but if he walks in free agency and you have you know let let's say you have twenty million dollars in cap space, are you are you using that in a way that you're going to get? you know, better, more useful talent than Greg Monroe, especially if he, you know, took a slight discount. I don't know. I, I'm Oof. I'm not sold on that. So. Man, that's that's some thinking right there, Frank. Wow. All right. We Good we stuff. spent a lot we spent a lot of time on that. So let's let's do some let's do do some more. Chris Middleton, this is easy. Bye. Bye. Let's not even talk about Chris Middleton. Yeah. We're not trading Chris Middleton. Um John Henson. I mean this one's easy too, so Yeah. I, I think for the reason you mentioned I think 
especially if you think that you are more interested in keeping potentially keeping Greg Monroe and realize you may not have a choice there because if he just says, you know what, guys, I'm out. Thanks for having me. Um, then, yeah, I mean, well, you could go into the summer with only Thon Maker and Spencer Hawes if you don't stretch him as, as your centers, right? Which, you know, you, you need to do some some work there to, to fill it out. But the, here's the thing, too. I mean, there's so many centers on deals that I think teams would just give away at this yep. point, right? I mean, that's was, that was our argument against the Plumlee contract was too many centers got paid and they're just not worth anything at the valuations we're seeing, right? So I I would say, yeah, I would be fine selling. I mean, I would like to get something for John Henson, but um, Meh. but I, I think the cap space, he's, he's, I think, the obvious guy that you could potentially get rid of without taking back salary, and then you would have a lot more flexibility this summer, especially if, if Moose opted out. So, I mean, okay. I, I, no one has blown this horn louder or longer than than me, so... I'm totally on the sell. Okay. Mirza Toledovich owed $10.5 million each of the next two seasons. Hmm. I'm probably buying. I, 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 buying? Okay. I'm I'm a fan. What, what can I say? Um, I'm, I'm team free Mirza. I'm, tier, I'm, I'm team Mir, Mirthriza. Um, I'm just there. I think he makes a lot of sense. His floor spacing is great. He gets threes off at an incredible rate. Um I think that's helpful for this Bucks roster. They, I, I mean, I don't know how many thousands of words I've written about how the Bucks need to shoot more threes in all these years leading up to this season, and they they kind of made a move in the right direction this year. They've had some step steps back at times where they've not put up enough threes, but uh, when he's on the floor, they put up a lot of threes, and I think that is an undeniably good thing. How about you? Yeah, and and I would say hold. Um, although I think you make it a good case there. I mean, the, the here's the thing with Mirza Toledovich. I, I get that people have gotten frustrated with him, and he's been inconsistent. But here's the thing about Mirza Toledovich: when Giannis is on the court with Mirza Toledovich, the Bucks score about 114 points per 100, and they allow 99 points per 100. <laughs> They're basically the... I, I, that's really sure good. Of, I'm pretty sure of any duo that's like over 100-some minutes together on the court, they're the best of any combination the Bucks have. I think that's what I saw earlier today. I don't think that's a coincidence. No. Okay? I mean, we've talked about this. If you have a guy on the court that you have to guard, especially with a bigger player, right? Because the guys guarding Mirza are going to be power forwards and small forwards. And, and uh, probably quite often power forwards because, you know, we see that teams often like to put a, a wing on Giannis. Uh, that means that there's a guy who rebounds, who maybe blocks shots, who is standing far away, far away from the paint and turning the rest of the court into a four-on-four with Giannis involved. And if you can do that, that's a good thing for Giannis Adetokounmpo, and it's a good thing for the Bucks, you know. And I don't think it's I don't think it's a coincidence that that they've been the best. Mirza has the best plus minus of any guy on the team right now, which you know is a recent phenomenon. But if you I think if you look at the full season numbers right now, um, they've been great with him on the court, and they've been not great with him on the bench. And mm-hmm. you know, again, I, I get that people enjoy. Um, you know Michael Beasley and and his bucket getting, and I think he's been good for the Bucks this year. But I think if you look at sort of the grand scheme of this team and building around Giannis, um, as you said, Mirza has actually done. You know, in terms of net results, Mirza's done what they signed him up to do. Um, even if you know, okay, his defense individually uh, has holes, and obviously his three point shooting has been inconsistent. So, okay, I I, I think you you may have you may have convinced me. Yeah, uh, especially because I feel like this podcast is like part of its charter is to uh, <laughs> promote the appreciation of Mirza Toledovich, despite our listener and readership, maybe not being totally on board with that. So anyway, I'd agree. shout out, shout out to Mirza. Um, Matthew Della Vadova owed 9.6 million uh, over the next three years after this one. I'm a hold leaning cell. Um, I, I'm very much uh, a believer in Della Vadova's abilities um, it just hasn't worked out in Milwaukee. What does that mean? Um, <laughs> what are Delvadova's abilities? <laughs> I think he's a decent playmaker, 
And I do think he's more than whatever three-point shooting he's doing this year. I, I mean, he had 40% three-point shooting before he got LeBron, and obviously that stuck with LeBron. And I, I think he's a better shooter than what he's shown, and I think he's a little bit better playmaker than what he's shown. He may have been asked to do too much, and um, that has obviously hurt his performance some. Um so I, I'd i be more than willing to see him go and try again at the point guard position and see if there's someone else that might work for you. Um, but I'm not going to – I don't think I'm at the point where I would I would give him away. But, again, maybe I, w- I would certainly have to think about it because to get out, you, of, to get out of that contract and to get to that $20 million area again – to spend in free agency. What do you What do you think? Or do you know off top offhand? I'm looking at it right now. What would you guess Matthew Delvadova's three point percentages on the season? Uh, thirty six. Thirty six point six percent, which is probably better than a lot of people might think. He's been He's been really good in the last month. I think he's been almost like forty five percent in the last month. I'd, yeah, January he shot forty two percent from three. February forty six percent. But again, the problem with Delhi isn't so much that he shoots a low percentage. The problem is that he just doesn't shoot enough threes, Correct. period, right? Which we Correct. talked about recently. In the last month, or sorry, February, only 1.6 attempts per game That's in 26 minutes. No. In January, only 2.2 attempts per game. And again, it's great that he's shooting over 40%, but that's just not a lot of attempts, right? I mean, Thon shoots more threes than Correct. And I mean, that's, um, I think that's the big thing with Bucks' complimentary players to Giannis. That's where you got to juice up that that three point attempt rate, and he, he needs. I think there's plenty of times when you watch a game and you think, shoot the ball, like no one wants to see you dribble back in again. Like Giannis has already made the play, or at least gotten you enough space to get this three pointer off. You got to take that shot, and I just I thought Delhi would be a little bit more willing to do that, and I thought maybe his three point rate would increase a little bit, and it just hasn't this year. Yeah. All right, uh, kind of moving through. This one's easy. Spencer Hawes, sell. Yep. Moving on. Jabari Parker. Ooh. Uh, I, I think you got to just buy for now. Um, I don't know if I could be calculated and cold enough to trade him uh, after he tore his ACL for a second time. I mean, I would have to see what the offers were, I guess. Um, but I, I would assume there isn't much of a market for him, and... Solding, selling him would be awfully cold to a guy who you've kind of made one of your franchise cornerstones. Yeah, I think unfortunately, you know, there's a reason teams don't trade guys when they're out for the season with torn ACLs, and it's because nobody really wants to buy those guys or offer yeah. up equal market value. So I think you're almost doomed to to, to buy at this point. Um, Roy Hibbert, that's a sell. Uh, we will see if Roy Hibbert is still on the Bucks roster on Friday. Uh, after the trade deadline, because I would be uh, shocked. Yeah, uh, Giannis at I think we're going to buy him. Okay, moving on. Uh, Thon Maker, I think we're going to buy Thon. Correct? Yeah. Um, I was interested that Lowe now listed him as a guy that the Bucks won't listen on, um, which I I wouldn't necessarily say is surprising because the Bucks reached for him in the first round, and obviously there's. Everyone said a lot of good things about him within the franchise, but uh, to see him move to that what it, what was kids termed the vault, I, I, to see him move into the vault already here in his rookie year is maybe a little bit surprising to me. Uh, yeah, I'm not really surprised. I mean, as you said, they I think they picked him there for a reason, and they want to be patient. And he has that you know unique skill set that um, again could could be such a good combination. I think with the rest of this roster, totally so. agree. So yeah, okay, Tony Snell, um, and we should note, Snell, interestingly, was mentioned in Zach Lowe's column uh, as a guy that, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, I think you referred to as the Wolves having tepid interest in, which I, I feel like that term doesn't imply any interest, really, like tepid, <laughs> like, tepid yeah, is almost like yeah. you call with like a, a disgusted look on your face, like, oh, God. Would you trade Tony Snell to us? Oh, screw it. Forget it. I don't even want to know. And just um, like a quick hang up right after saying yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Would you? Uh, um, oh, no. Uh, Tony Snell, who's having a career year, uh, which is still a, a modest thing to say. I mean, he's, I think, you know, as a PER under 10 and, you know, as a microscopic usage rate. But 
has been, I think, a, a very good defensive piece for the Bucks in terms of taking on top opposing ball handlers and has shot 40% from three, which is, you know, a career best and has been uh, a 60% true shooting guy, which he's never come close to. So uh, I don't know. I mean, this is, I think this is an interesting one because this is sort of the ultimate kind of, he's, he's the token career year. Are you buying high and extending him on what he was for one season? And are you going to get that player moving forward? And that's obviously a pretty important decision the Bucks have to make. And perhaps, would play a factor in whether or not they would move him at the deadline. Um, Frank, I'm going to ask you to use your crystal ball. Can you tell me how much the Bucks are willing to extend him for? Because um, that would definitely change my opinion. Because, man, you... I, I guess it was, it was fun, kind of serendipitous that I was looking at the New Orleans Pelicans cap sheet today, and I saw Solomon Hill's deal, and that deal's terrifying. <laughs> absolutely terrifying um, because you're kind of looking at a similar thing where a guy had a career type year and got paid for said career year and isn't a very good basketball player and he's stuck on that Pelly's roster for the next three or four years I think three more years after this and it's at 12 mil a year that's terrifying and part of me wonders one, how much did the Bucks like Tony Snell? <laughs> I, I know when we first when we first saw the Bucks trade for him, we had said something like, "Oh, maybe you try to sign him up cheap here, four for twenty four. Um, four for twenty four is gone. That's not happening anymore. Nope. Four for thirty two might also be gone. Probably. Four for forty might be gone. Or is that the spot? Do I? Um, you know. That's a good question. It's because a really good question. I think the thing I struggle with is the fact that his skill set is obviously a skill set that is, if you were going to be a role player, he has the role player skill set that would seem to be the most valuable right now, right, as Correct. a 3 and D guy. And that's probably the scary part. But he's also a restricted free agent. And so, you know, is he really a guy that a team is going to go, especially with less you know, cap space floating around in the league this summer. Uh, is there really going to be a team that runs out to give Tony Snell a four-year, $48 million, you know, Solomon Hill-style offer sheet? And I, I'm skeptical, but I'm also worried that the Bucks, you know, <laughs> excuse me, Miles Plumley this and, mm-hmm. you know, overpay without a, a really – you know, compelling second option for Snell, right? And and they just basically bid against themselves. That that would be my concern. Um, because part of me thinks to myself, I've seen Rashad Vaughn play a little bit more often, and I would say Tony Snell was about the same level of hopeless um, in Chicago, and he certainly struggled quite a bit. And part of me thinks, okay, maybe you roll the dice next year and. Maybe you think you found something in how you can reach more limited 3 and D guys, and you think, you know what? Rashad Vaughn can be our Tony Snell next year. And uh, it's probably a stretch. I'm not going to deny that, but is it kind of one of those situations where no matter what, you don't want to pay that guy that money. Like, you want the 3 and D guy. You want the role guy that can shoot threes and kind of keep the offense moving and do a nice job defensively, but you don't want to pay the full price for that. Um, so, I, I don't know. I'm I'm totally fascinated by it. If someone... I, and then, again, the question always is, what are you getting out of a, a deal for one of these guys? Um, what would someone be trading for Tony Snell? Yeah, I... I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, if there's some somebody out there who's in love with them, who's got multiple first round picks, and they've got one that's like going to be a late first round pick, I don't know. Maybe if they're really desperate for for wing help, maybe you could get a late first round pick for Tony Snell. Because let's be honest. I mean, you're generally not going to be able to go into the late first round and get a guy who can defend the one through three spots and shoot forty percent from three, right? Correct. I mean that that's that's a really useful skill set so uh so that wouldn't shock me but again also from a bucks perspective you know okay well you know great you you got a late first round pick what are you doing with it right Correct. i mean 
the Bucks, you know, lit a late first round pick on fire when they when they made that Grievous Vasquez trade. Um, has their opinion, has their valuation uh, methodology for for those kind of picks changed? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not sure. So I, I would say I'm I'm I would say I'm in the buy probably buy Tony Snell, but buy up to you know ten million <laughs> a year or something like that. Um, and I think part of that too, if you're buying Tony Snell ten million a year. I think you got to think, you know, you got to be prepared to sell off one of those other guys, you know, like uh, selling John Henson at 10 million a year, I think becomes more important. Um, yeah. Because again, you can't just pay every, you know, rotation guy on your roster 10 million a year, you know, because you're going to also have obviously some star players, et cetera. So, um, so it definitely puts the Bucks in, in an interesting spot. He's probably one of the more interesting Bucks to watch going into the summer. Um, Rashad Vaughn, whom we just mentioned, how do you feel about Rashad Vaughn these days? Um, that's a that's probably a hold, just because if I one having cheap players on the roster is necessary. Um, just kind of as you just alluded to, is you can't keep. There's got to be some cheap guys on the roster. Um, I, I'm probably holding there. Um, and again, if I sell, what's anyone giving up for Rashad Vaughn? A second round pick? Like, wouldn't you rather have a guy that, again, hasn't been good thus far, but maybe has a little bit more pedigree? I, I don't know. Where are you? Yeah, I mean, in, in, let me chime in on the, you know, could Rashad Vaughn be be the next Tony Snell? The problem is that you might, you know, if you followed Tony Snell's career arc, you'd wait five years for Rashad Vaughn to become the next Tony Snell because that's, that's true. their yeah. age difference. So on the one hand, that's an argument for why you shouldn't give up on Rashad Vaughn at you know the tender age of uh, just twenty. But who knows? Who knows how long you have to wait? And are you yeah. going to continually sort of um, you know accommodate him as you wait for him to maybe sort of figure things out? So yeah, probably hold. Um, again, I think as we mentioned, I think you do want to play him more regularly here the rest of the season because I think you need to figure out is he a guy that you know you actually can think about planning your rotation around. And again, this would probably only be the case with, with Middleton playing small forward minutes next year with Jabari out. Um, and Snell, you know, again, being, who knows, maybe Snell starts a shooting guard, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then maybe Ravon could be a backup. I don't know. We'll see. I think that's an interesting question though. So, okay, we're holding Rashad Vaughn. Um, interesting player in this regard. I think Michael Beasley is a really interesting player. If, if a team, if a team desperate for scoring came to the Bucks and said, "I have a high second round pick that I'm willing to give you for Michael Beasley and his cheap contract," what does Eric Name do? Sounds good. I'll take it. I, I get his appeal, especially now that Jabari is out, that you'd want to have scoring on the floor. But again, I, I don't know if you want to be the person that gives Beasley his next contract. It may very well be very cheap. It, it could be. I don't know what the market for Michael Beasley coming off. I think it's fair to say a good season in Milwaukee where he certainly had moments where he was lackadaisical defensively, but overall has been pretty solid defensively, got buckets like he always did offensively. Maybe that next deal is a little bit better for Beasley, and I don't necessarily think I would want to be the team to pay it. So I, I would sell. I would probably also, if, if someone was actually willing to give you a high second round pick, which, you know, again, I, I don't know if they would. Um, but uh, I would agree. And I think especially with, you know, with Chris coming back, um, I mean, we, we've we always uh, talked about, <laughs> again, I'm coming back to our Mirza Toledovic affection. Um, you know, we are obviously more comfortable with the idea of giving Mirza more minutes, um, giving Chris more minutes, giving Tony Snell more minutes. Uh, even giving Rashad Vaughn more minutes in terms yeah. of like plugging holes uh, on the wings, uh, so that probably colors our expectations. But by the same token, I mean if the Bucks, if no one wants Michael Beasley and the Bucks can go sign Michael Beasley for you know four million dollars, five million dollars this summer, especially with Jabari out, I think that's a totally acceptable thing to do. I mean he's been a guy that I think has done what you know he's advertised to do, and I think especially without. Uh, Jabari now for the foreseeable future that's uh, potentially still a useful thing even going into next season yeah I, I think it would be helpful I would just hope that the Bucks aren't afraid to talk to teams about him 
in the hopes of keeping him for next year. Like if someone does come calling, that that's a, that's the type of guy that you should willingly sell off for a future asset. Right. And but you'd probably be able to go back and resign him this summer anyway. Right? Yeah. So um all right, Malcolm Brogdon. Probably an easy one. That's a buy. That's a buy. I would agree. Uh, he's too again. Whether you think Brogdon is a future starter or just a good rotation player, um, he is so cheap over the next two years. Oh basically, yeah. Basically, he's he makes a million bucks combined, or sorry, two million bucks combined over the next two seasons after this one average of about a million a year. I like the sound uh, of that. That that kind of value is is just tough to come by. And last but not least. Jason Terry. I would be willing to sell, but I, <laughs> with my dealings with Jason Kidd and questioning Jason Terry being in the rotation, I would be shocked if the Bucks feel the same way. I, 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 I want Jason Terry just to sort of hang out for the rest of the year. So I'm, okay. I'm fine just, just hanging on to him. And like I said, if you say hold, you're basically saying you're not getting rid of him because, I mean, you know, no one's going to bang down your door for Jason Terry at this point. Although he's been totally fine this year. So. Yeah. All right. We've talked way too long, but I think we've given a very comprehensive view of. I think it, it was very necessary. And normally yes. in these situations, because we're a little bit lazy and also uh, there's not going to be a lot to talk about this week, I think we would cut this up, but I would be so scared that this extra 20 minutes of content would be useless because the Bucks make some sort of trade. So I feel like we probably just got to put this whole thing out together, right? Let's just throw it up. All right. All right. So you're going to get 51-ish minutes of content today. I hope you enjoyed it all, everybody. I hope you had a great time and got us uh, got yourself ready for the trade deadline, which is, what, Thursday, 2 o'clock Central, 3 Eastern? Or do I have that mixed up? I don't even remember. 3 Eastern sounds right, but I, I think the only the only thing I know for sure is Thursday. So. We should have a fun. I'm I'm probably going to be like driving in a car uh, from Dallas to Austin at that time, so I'm going to be feel very helpless. Oh man, that that would that's intense. That's going to be awful for you. Um, all right, that's been today's Locked On Bucks. It is once again been brought to you by SeatGeek. Uh, use our promo code L O B U C K S again. That's L O Bucks and get a twenty dollar rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So go ahead and do that today. For Frank Madden, I've been Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.